Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Hello, Nerdcasters, and welcome to our special debate night edition of the Nerdcast, where we break down a key moment that we feel summed up the night's debate, the last one before Iowa Democrats vote on February 3rd. The candidates largely stayed in their safe zones on Tuesday night. There were plenty of disagreements on policy, to be sure, on trade, war, health care, a bunch of other issues. But by and large, the candidates spent a lot of time explaining and selling their own plans and a lot less time criticizing others. Boring. <laughs> and here to help us wade through that and pick apart our key moment is senior politics editor Charlie Matessian, Esquire. Charlie, welcome. Hey, Scott. Good to be back. <laughs> All right. So we're going to listen to the clip, and then Charlie and I will dig in. Here's what we picked this time. So this section started with the moderator asking Bernie Sanders about why he will vote no on the USMCA trade deal, a NAFTA replacement, even though he said it contains modest improvements on NAFTA. Yet you're going to vote against it. Aren't modest improvements better than no improvements no, for the farmers and manufacturers who have been devastated here in Iowa? The answer is we could do much better than a Trump-led uh, trade deal. And Sanders said, yeah, I'm opposed to it. We can do much better, and this will continue to hurt jobs. This deal, and I think the proponents of it acknowledge, will result in the continuation of the loss of hundreds of thousands of good-paying jobs as a result of outsourcing, the heart and soul of our disaster trade agreements. Yeah, he opposed NAFTA, and although this is better than NAFTA, he opposes this too. And I'm the guy who voted against NAFTA and against permanent normal trade relations with China, is that we have forced American workers to compete against people in Mexico, in China, elsewhere. And then they throw it over to Warren. Senator Warren, you support the USMCA. Why is Senator Sanders and then wrong? And she says... I do. I wasn't here. I haven't been in Congress long enough to have voted against NAFTA, but I mm -hmm. led the fight against the trade deal with Asia and the trade deal with Europe because I didn't think it was in the interests of the American people, the American workers, or environmental interests. Yeah, this isn't perfect, but... But we have farmers here in Iowa who are hurting. It is a little better than NAFTA. This new trade deal is a modest improvement. A modest improvement, to quote Bernie Sanders. Senator Sanders himself has said so. Get USMCA done for now and then keep working on a better trade deal later. It will give some relief to our farmers. It will give some relief to our workers. I believe we accept that relief. We try to help the people who need help. And we get up the next day and fight for a better trade deal. And then Sanders jumps back and he says it's not that easy. It is not so easy to put together new trade legislation. If this is passed, I think it will set us back a number of years. And, and meanwhile, we've got Biden and Klobuchar and Buttigieg. I want to hit reality here. Yes, it has been improved. It is not perfect. I don't know that there's any trade agreement that the senator would ever think made any sense. Jumping in with more wholly positive statements about USMCA and American trade deals in general. Joe and I have a fundamental disagreement here. In case you haven't noticed. So, Charlie, we chose this moment because... In a debate light on fights between the candidates, this moment between Sanders and Warren really actually 
dug right into the heart of their closing arguments, their philosophies, a lot really that that separates these two candidates that often get lumped together when people discuss the 2020 Democratic presidential primary. I think that's a really important uh, point you're making there, that they often get lumped together as the two progressive candidates, the two lefties, people you know, sometimes in the media, but uh, among Republicans and even some Democrats, just link them together and, and assume that they hold the same positions on everything. Uh, now they agree on a lot, but there are fine distinctions between the two, and they are important distinctions. You know, you know, at the, at the heart of this and at the heart of the the debate tonight was uh, Elizabeth Warren says that she's a capitalist through her bones. And that, that sentiment is appalling to Bernie. Bernie doesn't even touch that. He, he proudly talks about being a democratic socialist. So, you know, uh, you begin with, with distinctions like that, but you see some stylistic differences there too in that Warren will at least faint toward incrementalism. She understands the way the Senate works, that she's willing to take a little now. She's willing to, to make some compromise. Bernie has never been that politician. That's why he was a backbencher until he became nationally prominent because he talks in terms of revolution and absolutes. He'll take nothing. He either gets the right deal or he takes nothing at all. And what's important here is that I think Warren is underscoring her closing argument in, in Iowa, which is different than Bernie's. Uh, Warren's closing argument is more along the lines of framing herself as the unity candidate among the two progressives. So if maybe you're someone who's looking at Bernie Sanders and, Eliz and Elizabeth Warren, if you're a voter looking at those two, you understand that one of them is clearly distinguishing herself as the unity or the compromise candidate compared to the other. And meanwhile, on on the flip side, Sanders' closing argument, really his, his argument forever since he's been a, a big voice in national politics, he's the truest champion of the left. And we're seeing him vacuuming up endorsement after endorsement from progressive groups over these last few weeks as, you know, it, it seems like he's consolidating that position as his kind of closing move into Iowa. That's his brand. And the minute he uh, departs from that is the minute his career begins to unravel and he loses his constituency. I think that's his real appeal is you see it even now. Just, I mean, think about it. It wasn't that long ago that this septuagenarian had a heart attack. So the guy has a heart attack. Could you have ever told on stage tonight? No. He looks great on stage. He is passionate. He's authentic. And that is why he really resonates in this era where voters demand more of that from politicians. And as that kind of politician, he can't really buckle. He can't nibble around the edges. He has to call for dramatic change, for revolution. Uh, and I think in in the, the kinds of groups he's talking about, or the activist groups, many of them are filled with young activists that are, uh, you know, that, that understand and believe in the kind of vision he's talking about and they don't want to hear uh, politicians talking about small steps in that direction. They want to hear what Bernie's talking about, which is big steps. And that I think explains some of the uh, conflict that that has, has boiled up in, in recent weeks between the Sanders and Warren campaigns and especially between their supporters uh, online seems to have gotten really heated. Charlie, uh, your, your big impression, you were kind of following every little movement in this debate, helming Politico's live chat. How do you think it set us up for the final couple weeks, three weeks here running into the Iowa caucuses on February 3rd? Well, we had a story today talking about how this. Uh, a lot of people thought this was going to be a doozy of a debate, and it definitely was not a doozy of a debate. Uh, I, I thought it was actually a pretty sedate debate. Uh, I expected that there were going to be many more flashpoints. So I was surprised at, at that. I thought that, that 
since this is the last debate going before the Iowa caucuses, I expected uh, that the candidates would try to get space and distance from each other, and they really didn't do that, which was fairly interesting to me. It was interesting to me that Elizabeth Warren chose not to, at least during the debate portion, uh, to uh, – uh, I think underscore her uh, her unhappiness with with uh, Bernie Sanders, given the the recent feuding. So, I mean, I, I don't think that anyone uh, really drew a bright line around their candidacy compared to anyone else. So, I don't think that that much changed. Meaning, we still have the four car pile up at the top in Iowa. And you know, and it's interesting. I, I feel like a lot of the expectations around the debate looked at that four car pile up at the top of the polls, as as you put it, and said. Okay, these candidates really need to seize a moment to to break themselves out of that. But I wonder if the candidates are looking at that and saying things are so close, like we don't know, we don't know who to go after here. We don't know, you know, there, there's there's all sorts of incentives not to attack if you think you might get dinged for that. It's so close, and and no, no one really knows who's leading. It's it's crazy. So we're just going to have to wait and 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 find out. Uh, where where things shake out on the third, and and I'm not sure that we got too many clues about what's going to happen there tonight. Yeah, and I think in the home stretch, the candidates it is in some ways an expression of confidence in their own message that they think that they have. That's more, a great point. They have more to gain by hewing to the same positive message that they think the Democrats are responding to, and they think they have the the right message for those Democrats in the in the run up in the final weeks before the uh, uh, Iowa caucuses on February third. All right. That'll do it. My thanks to Charlie Matessian for jumping in here after the debate. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having me, Scott. And we will be back with our usual show on Friday. Andy Reese is our producer and Jenny Amond is our senior producer. And as we sign off, let us leave you with the singular highlight of the 2020 presidential debate so far. Tom Steyer on the one thing he will not permit. And if there's one thing I will not permit, it is someone to run down the field and kick my teammate in the face. 